0: Well, it's so good to be with you guys today. My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastor elders at Anthem Camarillo, and it's been far too long. Oh, man, we miss you guys like crazy. And so, whether or not you guys are joining us uh, in homes or backyards or on Zoom or online, we are glad to be with you guys today. Uh, Like I said, it's been far too long. We've, of course, been in this weird coronavirus season for what is it, like seven months now. Uh, and that is way more than I think any of us had planned or thought. And, you know, it's been tough. I think it's important for us to recognize, and I'm sure you felt it, this is not an easy season. It's not easy to thrive in. It's not easy to do church. Uh, it's tough. It takes a lot of effort. And I just want you guys to know we are thrilled at what's going on at Anthem Ventura. We love what God's doing here. We love that house to house is starting to take place and we couldn't be more excited about that. And so it's been far too long, but we're glad to be with you together. Uh, and before I dive kind of into our, our main area, which we're going to talk about, I want to I take a couple minutes to encourage you. Just last week, I was having a conversation with my oldest son. He's just about to turn 12, and Keely, my wife, was out of town, and she was visiting her friend uh, up in Vegas. And and she had let the kids know that they didn't have to go to church uh, that day. And I wish I could tell you my kids were like, oh, so bummed and like frustrated. They're like, oh, but they were like, they were excited. I'm not going to lie. They, they were kind of hoping that maybe they could have a day just like Saturday. And our kids don't get to do too many electronics except on the weekends. And so they were, they were kind of wanting a day just like any other day. And so last Sunday I had the just a great opportunity to talk with my son of why why does Sundays matter? Why are they important? And it really drove us back to a conversation around Sabbath. And so I'm not going to do a long thing about this, but I want to encourage you guys really quick. And in Exodus 20, we see the 10 commandments given and right smack dab in the middle. We have this commandment, the largest commandment of all of the commandments, doesn't mean it's the most significant. It's just the one that's given the most time, it is the commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy. See, the Ten Commandments, they're divided between the first four or five of relationship between us and God and the second five between our relationship between one another. And then in the middle, we have this transition section talking about Sabbath. And the command ultimately is to keep the Sabbath day holy. And it was so good to talk with my kids about how sometimes we often throw around terms that we think we all understand but we rarely understand well. And that word is is one of those words. Uh, the word holy is is kind of a funky word. And uh, sometimes we can have different understandings of it. And my primary understanding growing up of the word holy was just perfect. Or like if you touched it, you would die sort of thing. You know, I kind of had like the Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark mentality of what holy is. and And, you know, That's not altogether wrong, but the most rudimentary definition of holy is set apart. You see, Lucas was interested in in having a day just like Saturday. And I get that. But he was getting comfortable with how the days were kind of just going and, 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 and rolling through. And he kind of just wanted to have a day just like any other day. One where he could play as many video games as he wanted, or he could do whatever he wanted to do. However, God in his grace knows what our propensities are. And out of love for us, he gave us the gift of Sabbath, a day that is set apart, a day that is otherly. It's not like any other day of the week. It's one where we cease our striving, where we say, in Jesus' name and not my strain. It's one where we cease working and we rest, we worship, and we delight in God. Now, why do I share all of this with you right now? Well, you guys are at a, at a beautiful moment where you're jumping into a new season. And this past season has been funky for all of us. And each day has sort of felt like it's bled into the next. And having a day that's otherly or entirely set apart for most of us has been a big struggle. And I'd imagine your intimacy with God and others has been a bit lackluster as well. And none of this is to discourage you, but to encourage you as you are setting out, meeting house to house, to fight and be intentional about setting apart your Sundays. So begin to recapture Sundays and watch how the Lord meets you there. So I just wanted to start with that encouragement as we jump into the first of the A couple weeks of our Celebrate Generosity series. Today we're starting this mini-series on Celebrate Generosity, and this is our 11th year, and will obviously be the most different year that we've ever had. And Celebrate Generosity is, is something we celebrate on our anniversary every year. I wish I could tell you that I was the one who came up with this idea for Celebrate Generosity, but I'm not. And what Celebrate Generosity is, is it's a day one time a year on our anniversary where we pool together all of our resources for a week between all of our families of churches and we raise together these funds and they are given away. All of them are given away either to global initiatives, which you're going to hear more about, or local initiatives. You guys are working on the Kingdom Center, which has been so encouraging to hear about, and also the reproducing church. These are our three large buckets that we give towards. And I just wanna share with you, this idea didn't come from us. Actually, Matt Larson who helped plant and start Anthem Church, he received this gift of an idea through the people he was being trained by out in Chicago. And so we thought early on that we needed to have a discipline of generosity, especially from the beginning, because if we didn't, we would have a tendency to hold on and to cling to that which we think is ours. But instead, we knew that we needed to set a rhythm and a pattern where our fingers would be repealed off of what we thought was ours and we extend out. And if you've spent some time at Anthem, you know that generosity is part of our core DNA. It's some of our core values. And so by God's grace, over the last 11 years, we have every year participated and Celebrate Generosity. And for like the first, Three years in particular, I don't know that we were ever more than 15 days ahead financially, and so the thought of giving away one week's worth of offering was terrifying to a young church planter like me, and with a young family, and a mortgage, and no other source of income. It was terrifying, but God has always met us, and and just last year, we crested over the million-dollar mark of having given away more than a million dollars towards these areas, And so I share a little bit of that background with you, because whether or not you're new or whether or not you've been with Anthem for a long time, man, you're jumping into a story that's bigger than you, and we want to invite you into it. And today we want to talk about why we would be generous in the first place. And of course, we start with God. We start with the truth that God himself is generous, Generosity at the core is, is one who lives a life in which they share their time, money, resources and words for the benefit of other. This is God. He generously created the world not just for his benefit but for ours. And he's made us in his image, the chief of his creation so that we might be like him and do things like him. We see this in Genesis 1:26 through 28. This it's called the, the first commission. Where he's created us and released us to co-rule the earth together, populating it, inhabiting it, dwelling in it with him and one another in shalom. And so the core of generosity comes from the reality that God himself is Generous. And today I want us to kind of, we're going to focus in a little bit on Psalm 1. So with that, if you would open up to Psalm 1, we're going to read this together. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, In all that he does, he prospers. You see, this particular psalm is referred to by many as a thesis statement for the book of Psalms. It establishes the picture of life in God, and one author, Mark Sayers, he actually refers to psalm as the description of the flourishing life in God. Some might even compare Psalm 1 with kind of the mantra or the filter of the Old Testament of how we're to engage with God. Similarly, in the New Testament, I think we can see things like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is something that those who were following Yahweh, they would have memorized, and they would say, this is the key to life. Happy, delighted, full is the one delights in the words of Yahweh, the one who focuses in on what God says each and every day. I know this is incredibly rudimentary, but that word blessed, it's happy, delighted. I think all of us want that to be character traits of our lives, and how is that possible? To, it's by delighting in the words of God, focusing in on what he says, meditating it on it, letting it roll over your mind and your heart. And it's that person who is like a tree who's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And even out of season, it doesn't die. It continues to prosper. This is something I know that all of us long for. We've all experienced seasons that have been really fruitful, or we've experienced seasons that have been really not fruitful, maybe really painful, maybe really hard. And yet here in Psalm 1, we're given a pathway with how to make sure that even in the worst season of all, we can still actually prosper. And it's rooted in being connected to God himself. One of the interesting pieces to this word picture within Psalm 1 is the tree, the living water, and the fruit. You see, the the tree is people. That's us. That's followers of God. That's followers of Jesus. Then have this that they're planted by living water. And we'll talk more about this living water in just a second. And then we have this fruit, and you've got to ask the question, is, is fruit for the tree, or is the fruit for someone or something else? And the reality is that fruit is not for the tree. Fruit is what's produced out of a healthy tree. And what's it for? I'm no plant major person. That's not my even though I've worked on my planting skills over this quarantine season, you better believe it, I've got some incredible pickles. But planting's not my forte. But one of the things that I know is that healthy fruits or healthy plants produce fruit. And those fruits are used for multiple things. One of them is for reproduction. Fruit maintains seed. And those seeds even if that fruit falls to the ground <clears throat> and isn't consumed by somebody else if it falls on fertile soil another tree or another plant is going to come up so it's useful for reproduction and sometimes it does we can't always tell how productive it's going to be the other thing that fruit is good for is it's good for somebody else to come alongside and eat it to be nourished by it to be replenished But the goal of a healthy life of following Jesus isn't just so that you might be full and good and yummy and all of that. It's that actually you would share the good that comes from you. And we'll talk more about this in a second. John seven thirty-seven through 39 gives us another picture of this living water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That living water, both in Psalm 1 and John 7, is what provides the growth. And what is that living water? In John 7, we see that the living water is the Holy Spirit. It is God himself. And what we see with both the fruit from Psalm 1 and the water from John 7 is that it's, they're made to go through you. They're made to be sources of life, not just to you, but to others. Fruit is for the tree or someone else. The fruit is for someone else. But it's also what the tree is designed for. If the tree doesn't produce fruit, if the plant does not produce fruit, it's not living and it's not being what it's designed to be. And generosity is in our DNA because we have been made in the image of God who himself is generous. And when we cease to live generous lives, not only do others suffer around us, we ourselves suffer because we are not living as God has designed. My youth pastor growing up, his name's Dan Snow. Unfortunately, he passed away in a car accident about 12 years ago, maybe longer now. But he had a macaw, this big old parrot type of a bird, actually terrified me uh, and they're kind of gross. But in the wild, they're amazing. This bird's name was Amadeus. It actually had a really big cage but I'll never forget watching this bird the older it got. You see, birds are not meant to live in cages. They're meant to fly, to soar. This thing is, this bird, over the years, actually started destroying itself. It legitimately started plucking out its feathers. And then when it had no more feathers to pluck, it started plucking out its skin. Why was it doing this? Because when the bird was is not able, when the macaw is not able to live as it's designed, it actually starts self-destructing because it's not living as the body, as the bird's body is designed to live. Why do I share this with you? Because if we want to have flourishing lives, we need to live as we're designed. And that's to be a generous people. And I'm not talking solely about money. I'm talking about our posture toward one another, which includes our resources, but it's more than that. From the beginning, God's people have always been blessed to be a blessing. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians nine eleven. you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Generosity is something that is generated in us. As we spend more time with Jesus, becoming like him, remember back to Psalm 1. Blessed the man who delights in the law, in the words of God, who meditates on it day and night. The more we spend time with him, the more the generosity of God flows into us and then can be poured out through us. Generosity becomes a natural outflow of Jesus' presence in us. Simultaneously, generosity is something, it's a discipline that we need to be intentional about. And we want to choose to grow in it. It's amazing when it just happens naturally, but the reality is too, especially right now, This world does not promote generosity. It promotes self. It promotes me taking care of me. It promotes me building my kingdom, my empire. And generosity says something different. It's more similar to what we see in Philippians 2 where Paul calls us to consider one another more significant than ourselves. To not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Generosity is a discipline we need to grow in because we live in a place where there are two combating kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven continually calls you and I to come and die and give of ourselves. And for some of you, you're like, yeah, I got it. I give my money regularly. But maybe you withhold your time or your presence and, and the thing about scripture and about the gospel is it's not an invitation for your money only or for your mind only or for your actions only. Remember that the greatest commandment, I mentioned it early, earlier, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It involves your whole being and all that you have. Generosity is a discipline we need to be intentional about. Paul, again in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, says this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This reminds us that giving, being generous is going to happen on purpose. Again, Lord willing, with the rest of our lives, it starts becoming natural. It's just an overflow of what Jesus is in us. But when it comes to being generous, especially financially, it's going to come with intentionality. And a lot of times it's going to come with some form of sacrifice as well. If you're new with us, there's something that you should understand about our view of generosity. I've mentioned this already, but I'm going to say it again. It includes money, but it's way more about a posture or a direction of life than it is about philanthropy or donations. Being generous is the picture of a life that looks like this tree in Psalm 1, that's filled up by God's presence to pour out and be a blessing to those around us. Not existing for our own gain or our own benefit, but to be a steward of all that God is doing in us and entrusting to us. If we get Jesus and we engage with Jesus and we come to him and we drink of that living water, we'll find ourselves overwhelmed by his presence. And his presence will shape all kinds of fruit in us as is evidence in Galatians five with the fruits of the spirit. And those fruits will look like peace Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And who are those fruits for also? Are they just for you? All oh, those fruits are for us. They're for humanity, for those around us. A friend of ours, Jeff Vanderstelt, taught me this a long time ago. And he says that anything that God does to you, he also wants to do through you. This is what generosity is. Sharing the blessing that's been given to you. Spiritually, physically, socially, economically. It involves all of it. And as we prepare for Celebrate Generosity this year, it's important that we recognize and realize that we all have something to give. And it's not just money. Coming full circle back to Sabbath, the set apart, the way we have something to give is by being connected to the generous one. And Psalm 23 has been running through my head a bunch this week and it seems fitting to end with it today. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is our shepherd and we lack nothing. Then that means we have something to give. He settles me down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He brings me back. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Some of you have been in a season that it has been a wandering season. I want you to hear this. He brings me back. He leads me in right paths. Why? For His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Remember, he is our shepherd. I lack nothing. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Listen, I love this. And you anoint my head with oil. And what? My cup overflows. The anointing, the presence, the gift, it overflows. It spills out. This is what we're talking about with generosity. It comes from being rooted and connected to the generous one who is our shepherd. We lack nothing. And his anointing, that water, living water, that is available through Jesus for all who are thirsty, that now is poured out on us and the cup that we have now overflows, it spills out. And surely goodness, beauty, and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, it's been good to be with you this week. I hope that the Lord is encouraging you, that he is generously pouring out his love upon you and that you taste and see that the Lord is good and that as you do, you take that cup in which he overflows and you share because that is who God is and that's who he's made you to be. And as we engage in this generous life, we begin to taste the flourishing life that is now available to us as sons and daughters of the King. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing. What a sweet opportunity it is to engage with you. And we pray right now that wherever my friends are at, whether they're in homes or backyards or Zoom or online, that you through your spirit would be ministering that you would be drawing folks to yourself. I can't get past that, that you bring us back. I just can't help but think that there are a number of us who have wandered, like your word says, we, like sheep, have gone astray, each one of us to our own way. But you, the great shepherd, bring us back. And so we just invite you to do that. And Lord, would you lead us on right paths for your glory, for your name's sake? Lord, I pray blessing over Anthem Ventura and this fresh new season that they're in. Would your hand be upon them? Would you lead them and guide them? And we just ask, Lord, that you would continue to multiply their efforts. We pray for renewal. We pray for revival. And many would come to know you. Lord, we love you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.